Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, on Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. Does anyone else feel like we are getting to grips with this ghastly virus, finally? Now, I don't mean to say uh, that everything is fine and everything is done and we are all over it like a rash. What I am saying is that for weeks and weeks we have been prepared by this government for what is now happening. The stagnating economy, the challenging world of work, the self-isolation, the closure of everything but food shops and petrol stations, the perils of travelling without permission and the rising number of cases of coronavirus itself. While we still await the fine print on how everyone is going to be helped through this crisis financially, there is definitely a feeling out there that we are beginning to realise just how serious this all is and exactly what we have to do to beat it. Here in Britain, we pride ourselves on our culture of fairness, our tendency for neighbourliness, our love of helping others and our kindly nature. Just yesterday, more than half a million people volunteered to help the NHS battle COVID-19. They will work as telephone operators, drivers, cleaners and delivery people. What an astonishing reaction to this ghastly situation. It really does make you feel quite proud to be British and it makes me feel very hopeful for the future. This morning, we would love to hear from anyone who has volunteered and we also want you to let us know what you are hearing, what you are seeing and what as ever you are being told let's forget about the tiny minority of idiots who are still flouting the stay-at-home orders the moronic panic buyers who seem to be thankfully on the wane and the spotty youths who don't think that they can get sick in any way shape or form let's instead champion the decent people and the good companies out there like hertz the rental car company who are promising to give cars for one pound a day to nhs workers i'm going to applaud them i'm also going to be having a go at one or two other companies who are trying to profiteer and we're going to find out from the government what they're going to do to stop that. There's a lot to do, but I'm confident that we can do it. And I'm also confident this morning, I have to say, that we are sort of on the cusp of a hill and we are now starting to realise that this is what we need to do and this is how we're going to do it and this is how we're going to beat it. 0344 499 1000. Let's be positive this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Coming up on our home school segment today, we are joined by space expert Greg Smy Rumsby, who is going to explain what a leap year is to all of us, because not everybody knows how that exactly works. And as ever, if you have anything you need help with or would like us to ask about for our homeschool segment when you're teaching your children at home, uh, just to please let us know. You can tweet us at Talk Radio, at IROMG. You can text us as well, 87222. And of course, you can call us, 0344 499 1000. And as usual, we are live streaming on YouTube, on Twitter and on Facebook, so you can watch us 
as well as listening to us as well. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on the fastest growing radio station on the planet, the place where all your information is stored on this pandemic. We are Talk Radio. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Thank you very much indeed for joining us once more. It does really feel like a bit of a community here. I've been incredibly impressed over the course of the last few days uh, by the number of calls that we're getting from people, by the quality of those calls and the stories that you're telling us, some of which are terrible stories, some of which are uplifting stories, but all of them are stories that we need to hear and stories that we need to share and stories that we can sometimes help out with. So if there's anything you need, if there are any questions you've got, please do let us know and we will try our very best to get those questions answered. We're going to talk now, first of all, to Anthony Brown, uh, who is, of course, um, a member of the Treasury Select Committee, Conservative MP for South Cambridgeshire. Anthony, a very good morning to you. Welcome. Good, good morning. And it's great hearing such positivity. Well, do you know, you know this, 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 what I'd like to do here is, I mean, of course, we're, we're information-based and we like to share information as much as possible. But, uh, you know, I was so uplifted yesterday by the news that half a million people had volunteered to, to go to, to help wonderful. the NHS to yeah. do what they're doing. I think it's so important to, to focus on that rather than on, oh, look at that idiot over there having a barbecue or that maniac over there stolen all the toilet roll from the, from the supermarket, because those are in the minority. The majority of people in this country are the half million. Absolutely. I completely agree. Yeah. I, I, I'm one of those that signed up as well. And for every um, it's a bad story there is, and, and there are lots of people facing a lot of difficulties, there are also good stories. And I've met lots of or indeed talk to, with a bit of uh, social distancing, uh, a lot of uh, my constituents who, have, uh, who are going out volunteering already, helping uh, older people or self-isolating people get food and, and drugs. And it really is bringing the community together in, in quite an extraordinary yeah. way. And, and how, easy is it to, people. how easy is it to get all of the people who have volunteered of actually volunteering? Because obviously people have said to me, you know, do they all need CRB checks? Do they all need to be kind of vetted in some way? Is it, is it quite easy to well, put most of them to work straight away? Uh, so easy is not quite the right word. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. So my, 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 my constituency is very uh, rural. It's uh, 83 villages, and they all, they're all quite close-knit communities. They all have parish councils who are generally, and most of them leading this, although in some other villages it's other groups of people. And then there's the district council. But, yeah, safeguarding issues, let's see, our checks are uh, critical. Uh, often they don't have time to do that. But in these villages, most of everybody pretty much knows uh, everyone else. So it's right. been more straightforward to organise Okay, but there is there is national government's guidance coming out on this. Again, it's one of those things that the civil servants are working uh, uh, twenty four hours. Right, and uh, if somebody's day, listening to this and thinking, you know, I wish I had volunteered, but maybe now I don't need to. Um, is there still a need for people to come forward? I think you should still absolutely register. Uh, totally, we don't know how long this is going to last. Uh, we, it could, and it's clearly going to get worse before it gets better yeah. in terms of the number of cases. So uh, we think there's, you know, there will be lots of need for help going forward. Sure. And, I mean, I get people uh, asking me questions constantly on Twitter, asking me questions on Facebook, sometimes calling in with them. I mean, the main thing that people are concerned about now, of course they're concerned about the, the medical problem and the, and the worry that they might get something, but they're also concerned about their futures and their financial security. Uh, we're hearing today that Rishi Sunak is going to come out with the package for the self-employed. Um, is that your understanding as well? I, I absolutely, yeah. The press conference this afternoon. OK. And, I mean, it's going to be tricky uh, because, of course, these things are tricky. And, and I think, as you quite rightly pointed out, easy is probably a word I should stop using for anything at this point in time because nothing is easy. But um, do you think it's going to be something that will bring some kind of sucker and help to people? Because we've got problems in the universal credit system where another half a million people have applied for it. We've got problems even in the PAYE sector because people are saying that they haven't yet been able to apply for the 80% fee that they're supposed to be getting in their wages if they're not working. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the, the latest announcement is going to focus on the uh, there's roughly five million people who are self-employed or freelancers, and they have been given help and support already, and in particular to their access to the benefit system, same as if you're an employed person. Uh, but clearly, that's not the same level of support as if you're an employed person, and that's what uh, the announcement today will be uh, aimed at. But it is, as the Chancellor made clear yesterday in Parliament, it is a lot more complicated with self-employed people than it is uh, with employed people who are uh, effectively furloughed who no longer have uh, work to do uh, because some self-employed people aren't affected by this. I'm thinking like, say, TV presenters or I don't know, maybe radio presenters. Uh, they shouldn't necessarily get all their uh, income back. There are other uh, self some self-employed people that I know are actually doing better as a result of it, some in the sort of food delivery business. Yeah. Uh, but then others who have suddenly lost everything and they've lost all their work. And uh, a lot of my constituents are in that place and they definitely need support. And that's what the, the government now aims to do. But it's just taken a bit more time to work through the detail. I understand the frustration of the, um, uh, of the people who are freelancers, but help is coming. Yes, and I think people need to understand that, you know, nobody's being hung out to dry here. The government will do everything that they can possibly do. And I really would be amazed if people are um, unfortunate enough to lose anything uh, over the course of time because of rapacious landlords or greedy uh, people in shops and all that kind of we, thing. I mean, We've put a moratorium on evictions, you mentioned landlords, because yeah. that is a real issue, uh, yeah. a moratorium on evictions for at least three months. So landlords cannot evict tenants for three months. Yes. But also, um, you know, they should, the council should be uh, uh, adhering to all of this as well. I mean, I'm getting some signals from people saying that people are uh, having money taken out of their accounts for council tax, which is a little bit earlier than they should be doing it. This is not the time for that. Uh, so I haven't heard those stories, but there are... I'm trying to pin down precisely where it's happening, yeah. but I've had a couple of messages this morning from people saying, I've had money taken out of my account. Right. I mean, I think the council tax is still uh, still being collected. The business rate should not be collected from businesses in the, uh, in the hospitality business or in retail. Right. Uh, and I know a lot of district councils have now... They're just about to send out the uh, business rates bills, and that's being stopped. But the councils are, again, themselves, it takes time to get their machinery working. What is extraordinary, if you've been involved with public policy like I have for nearly a quarter of a century, normally it takes years for governments to do anything. And yes. to, you know, they move very, very slowly, the, the whole sort of machinery of the public sector. What is extraordinary here is the speed at which it is moving and uh, that the, the, the government's changed economic policy dramatically, uh, really on a uh, on a, a tuppence, as it were, just suddenly turned around. There's huge support. The, the councils, the district councils and county councils, are working out how they need to change the results as well. It does take a little bit of time for this to, to get everything in place. And I know that's frustrating for people who are worrying about where to get the money, but people are working really, really hard about this. I had a conference call with my county council and uh, district council yesterday, mm. uh, and they're doing everything they can to get things in place. And if okay. some things get missed, then that's, you know, clearly that's bad. We need to hear about it, and then we can deal with it. Yes, this is actually a message from somebody who's in Corby uh, that I've got in front of me, and it's, I'm, I apologise, it's not council tax, but it's rent, I believe, from the council, which has been taken sort of a week early. So uh, you might want to keep an eye on that. Right. So if you've got problems like that, and this applies to everyone, then do, I mean, either go direct to your council or go to your MP. So I'm getting uh, constituents every day, I'm hundreds of constituents every day with particular problems, and my, my staff are uh, helping resolve those problems, either, you know, working with the, with the, the local councils, 
or other public authorities. And I know all the other MPs are in a similar position. So whoever it is in Corby who's got that problem, uh, contact their, their MP. Yeah, OK. And as far as the way that everything is, is moving towards the hospitals, and uh, Boris Johnson yesterday said that they were equipping uh, as many hospitals as quickly as they possibly could with more uh, PPE uh, affairs and, more, you know, more masks and more gloves and all that kind of thing. Is that, are you getting on top of that now? Uh, well, I've been in regular contact with my uh, uh, hostel, Evanbrooks in Cambridge, which is one of the biggest in the country. And yes, clearly PPE has been an issue, uh, but it is now coming through. Uh, there, there's actually also PPE from other uh, bodies like universities and so on that's now gone to the NHS and the production has uh, stepped up. It is a distribution problem. It's taken time to deliver it around the country. But certainly, from what I'm hearing, it is now coming through at last. It okay. has taken a long time and it is frustrating for the NHS staff totally get that but again it's one of those logistical things where you're suddenly changing policy on a national level very very quickly okay and were you concerned or has anybody else mentioned the fact that Chloe Middleton who's only 21 who, who was one of uh, those unfortunately died who died yesterday from coronavirus otherwise healthy I I'm, un I'm led to believe does that change the dial at all um, I think it does. I mean, it, is, it, it certainly is concerning because it's the first case that I've heard of where you've got a young, healthy person with no underlying health conditions uh, who's died as a result of coronavirus. Yeah. What it does emphasise is how, how important it is for everyone uh, that we tackle this together. And one of the problems has been convincing younger people uh, that uh, they need to take this seriously, that even if they feel vulnerable themselves, they might be carrying the virus uh, unwittingly and spreading it to other people who are vulnerable. But actually, this does affect us all. We are... Uh, to coin a phrase, all in this together, and we will beat it all together. OK. And if people are trying to find um, help who are out there, maybe uh, unable to go out and do shopping for themselves or uh, are needing help from these volunteers who, who have uh, very nicely joined in the, the, the NHS cause, what are they to do? What can they? How can they sort of contact somebody? Um, I've got a call coming in here from Margaret, who's in Reading, um, who says that she's 80. Um, she doesn't know, she doesn't have the internet, she doesn't know how to contact anybody. What could somebody like her do to get help, to get a volunteer to come and see her? So, uh, in most areas, pharmacists are helping coordinate this, particularly people with medications, and they will know... Uh, her local pharmacist will know what the local volunteering group is. There will okay. be one near her, or else contact uh, the district council, and they should know what volunteering groups there are in that area. Okay. They are all springing up very quickly. It's really just in the last week or two that suddenly these groups are, have started organising. Yeah, right. I'm sorry to throw all these things at you, but it's just that since you're here, <laughs> I figure that you're the guy to ask. I've yeah. got another thing here from a, a, a person on Facebook, Carl, who sent me this. Could you please mention, Mike, uh, postal workers on your show? Because most of us have to work in an office for three hours before we go out on delivery with 100 plus people shoulder to shoulder in a delivery office it's an absolute joke we've had no hand towels or hand sanitizers for two months uh, we're delivering rubbish um, like pizza leaflets which the Royal Mail says essential mail catalogues and other junk are we actually essential workers we of course we need to, to provide a delivery service but do we need to carry on with what we're doing at the moment well, I think the, the postal workers are essential workers. I think what is really important is that employers, and this includes the post office, do whatever they can to make sure there is social distancing, uh, that people do work further apart, that they have, have hand sanitizers, that people have whatever protection they need uh, for that. And that does require adjusting the way people work. That's more difficult in some circumstances than in others. But I know many offices, for example, where people are now not sitting at desks next to each other, but at desks uh, sort of two apart, as it were, to keep people yeah. further away. Okay. 
And as far as the uh, building of new hospitals or the or the sort of shall we say just marshalling of, of new hospitals, because the, the it's the Excel Arena I think that's being used as one down by City Airport is, in yeah. London. Is there, are there plans for more of, more of that kind of thing around the country? Uh, the Excel is the first one, but I understand there are plans for others. Uh, I think in certainly maybe in Birmingham and Manchester. I wouldn't confirm that, but I certainly heard there are plans for others. Okay. And so, I mean, now that you guys are out of Parliament, we don't really know probably when you're coming back, but it could be at least a month, it could be longer. Um, you're presumably operating in your constituency if people need you. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I can't say it's business as usual, but it's because it's not, there's nothing usual about it. No. Uh, but no, we carry on working. I mean, it, being in Parliament is only one half of an MP's job, that's mm. the passing laws. The other half is in the constituency. And actually, uh, as this whole crisis has evolved, the constituency work has become more and more important. Uh, and MPs have a crucial role in terms of helping sort out any problems that are locally, helping make sure that national government, when it's developing policy, understands how the, uh, the issues impact people locally. Because lots of things come up, uh, suddenly arise, uh, that we haven't thought about before. And it's very, the MPs are a vital conduit for sorting out those sort of problems. Of course. So if anyone does have a problem that doesn't, people don't seem to have thought about, contact your MP and see if they can help sort it out. OK. And things like the Treasury Select Committee, uh, of which you are a member, will they be held kind of virtually, if you like, at certain points, if, if and when they need to be held? Well, so Parliament has uh, risen now uh, last night, so we wouldn't be sitting for the next month anyway. Right. So the, we had the last meeting we had was about uh, 10 days ago, and we uh, scrutinised uh, the Chancellor, in fact, on his, uh, on his package and got some more sort of information and detail out of that and some of the challenges. Uh, we will be uh, carrying on. It's one of the things we need to discuss as a committee uh, about exactly how we operate in the new environment when we do return. Uh, in, in April, uh, maybe we will need to do it virtually. You will have seen one of the select committees, the Health Select Committee, did a hearing yesterday, uh, all virtually, uh, with uh, people doing it down the line. When we did uh, our last hearing, um, well, the Chancellor was physically there. Uh, the hearing before that, actually, we had some of our economic experts, they were doing it down the line because they're self-isolating. Right. So we, we all need to work in new, different ways. OK. Anthony Brown, thank you very much indeed for talking to us, Conservative MP for South Cambridge, a member of the Treasury Select Committee. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. We spoke earlier on to Jonathan Ashworth, who's the Shadow Health Secretary. Uh, he's a man that's full of ideas of what the government's not doing. Let's find out from him whether he's got any better ideas. I started by asking him about whether the death of Chloe Middleton, just 21 yesterday from coronavirus, changes anything. Well, our hearts obviously go out to the, the family of Chloe. I mean, this is... I think that was a, a de- devastating uh, when we when we all read about that death in the in the in the media yesterday. Mm. I think it is a grave reminder that this virus, which spreads with speed and severity, affects not just elderly people with underlying conditions, as, as which has been the, the focus, but healthy adults can catch this virus as well, and yeah. healthy adults can die from it. I mean, it seems, it seems to be quite unpredictable at this point. So this is why I'm asking whether this has changed the way that, that people like yourself look at the problem. Because up until now, I was of the impression, and I think most people were, that if you were under a certain, certain age, certainly if you were under 40, you were probably OK. And if you were healthy, you were probably OK. Well, I mean, this is why we've really got to all adjust our behaviour, follow the advice, stay at home if we can. And I would say to the government... Get on to those firms who are insisting that their workers come in because, you know, really, are some of these firms really doing essential work at the moment? This is about not only keeping workers safe, it's about keeping everybody safe. People just need to stay at home and look after themselves and look after their loved ones. This is really, really serious. We, can, we will come through this. We will definitely come through this as long as we all do what we need to do. Yes, I mean, we heard Boris Johnson yesterday in Prime Minister's question saying that, you know, um, sanctions will be put against firms. Um, but it's not absolutely clear how soon that would happen or how pe- how firms are identified or anything like that, really. No, I mean, here, I'm, in, I'm in Leicester, which is where I'm, I'm an MP, and, you know, there's a construction site up the road from me uh, building student flats. I mean, <laughs> and... and the government say, well, if you work on a building site, you have to keep two metres apart from mm. each other. Well, I don't know if they've been on a building site, but when you're trying to shift you know, heavy equipment, heavy cement mixers, shift scaffolding and, uh, and so on, you can't keep two metres away from your your fellow workers. That's how building sites operate. And, you know, we're putting workers at risk here. I mean, the government have got to put out some clear instructions about workers staying at home. We all understand that there are certain work w- w- workers that have to will have to continue. I mean, obviously, healthcare and care services are obvious ones, but there'll be other essential ones as well. 
in the economy. But, you know, as building student flats, is that really a priority at the, this particular moment? I'm not sure it is. No. I mean, I guess the problem is, is that there isn't a one-size-fits-all uh, fix for everything, is there? I mean, we've seen that with the self-employed situation. We're hearing today that Rishi Sunak is going to announce some kind of a package uh, for some people who are self-employed, but not all, because not everybody who is self-employed gets paid the same way. So you can obviously have some sympathy for the way that they're having to try and navigate all this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but but we do, we do need a package for the self-employed, and we need and we need proper support for those people whose whose hours have been reduced as well. They're not necessarily getting the support that they need, and the support for people who work in the so-called gig economy, because we can't have a situation where workers have got to make a choice between their health and hardship. I mean, there are people going to work even though they don't feel great, because at the moment, if they don't go to work, they won't put food on the table for the for the their family for yeah. the kids. This is a, these things really do need fixing ASAP. Oh yes, and I, I mean, I, I, as I say, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm reluctant to give the government a hard time. I think they could be perhaps speeding things up in some areas, but at the end of the day, some people get paid um, without having tax withheld from them if they're self-employed. Others don't. You know, some people get paid per hour. Others get paid per day. You know, it's complicated, isn't it? I mean, it, um, it is complicated, but in some ways, you've just got to get it sorted now and worry about. Um, you know, some of the finer details later on because the key thing is getting us all through this and ensuring the national effort to beat this virus succeeds. I mean, is it possible that it would be better, and some people have suggested this to me uh, uh, on my show, uh, Whether the, rather than just actually giving people money, you say to people who are self-employed, just don't pay any tax or move the tax threshold up to £20,000 for the next 12 months and that way uh, they'll be able to perhaps keep more of the money that they make. Well, I mean, these are all the things that need to be looked at. Um, and, and there are, you know, there's different ways of doing this, aren't there, about the way in which the tax system works and what money you can get back from the tax system. So there's different ways of doing that. Um, I mean, I don't have a strong view about what the best technical way of doing it is, but I just want it sorting. Yeah, well, we all want it sorting. But, I mean, the, the, the situation, I suppose, is, is, is mostly around looking after those people as well who have become ill and making sure uh, that more and more ventilators are made. We're hearing this morning that Dyson uh, is going to make a lot of ventilators, which is, which is very good news. We're seeing that uh, the XL arena is being taken over and being turned into a hospital. So, I mean, I, it seems as though things are happening. Well, yeah, but, um, but we're still not testing enough. I mean, we've got a lockdown, but a lockdown will only be effective if, if we're expanding testing rapidly in the community. And, of course, we've still got doctors and nurses on the front line saying they've not got the goggles, they've not got the visors, they've not got the protective gowns that they need yet. I know the government is saying they're getting more to the front line, but we really need to get that protective equipment to our NHS staff because we're putting them in danger as well. So what kind of testing would you like to see then? Well, I think we should have community testing, which is where everybody in the community uh, uh, who thinks they've got it can be tested, because that, that way you know how many people are circulating in the, in the community, and then what you do is you go and trace everybody who's been in touch with that person. That's what a lot of other countries are but doing. But how would that work practically, though? You would get people to go to a central point and be tested? Yeah, but, I mean, we, we, were, we were setting up those testing stations until about 10 or 11 days ago. Then we decided to shift the testing just to hospitals or for patients in hospitals because we were... Uh, uh, because of a lack of capacity. Uh, so I think we need to drive up that capacity, but also the priority has to be NHS staff, because at the moment, if you work in the NHS and you get a cough, you have to go home and isolate for seven days or 14 days if you live with other people. But you, that cough might not necessarily be COVID-19. It might just be a, a cough because, you know, people get, get coughs and mm. colds. 
And what what you have? Well, I think we're all in that. We're all in that place, aren't we? If you if you do cough as as we all do from time to time, you find yourself looking in the mirror going, "Oh my God, have I got COVID nineteen?" Yeah, yeah. But if you're a member of NHS staff, you're taking NHS staff off the front line for two weeks, and that's the last thing we can. So are you are you advocating for testing to see whether you have it or whether you have had it? I think we need testing in the NHS as a priority to see if people have got it. And then there's a new test coming down the line, which the government were talking about yesterday, which isn't quite ready yet and will take a little bit of time to evaluate it and get it right. But the new test will test whether you have had it. Right. And, and that's really crucial because if you know you've had it, you know that you're safer going about your daily, you know, your daily business, etc. Yeah. But that isn't... I mean, some of the headlines today in the newspapers suggest it's like going to be available like you know imminently but yeah. it's not it's got because the government scientists and boffins and all the experts have to test the test yes. to make sure it works properly. and they and they want to make sure that it's accurate as well don't they yeah. but the, the problem with testing to see whether you actually have it though surely is that if you test negative today you might have it tomorrow well, well exactly i mean that's the other problem i mean so that's kind but, of a worthless test then isn't it well uh uh, uh you, but you, if you, but the key thing for NHS staff is if they're feeling ill, they need to know whether they're ill because of COVID nineteen or whether they're ill just because they're yes. cold. No, but what I'm saying is, that scientifically, you can be ill today, you can test negative, but you can test positive tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, you're probably going to have to test people quite often. Well, every day. Really, 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 really need to ramp up the testing. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. The capacity to do that is pre- pretty much impossible, isn't it? So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's you know it's a never-ending sort of circle of doom in in a way in terms of how you can organise it. I see I see your point you're making, but I mean, but but by the same token, that I don't think that's an excuse for not doing the levels of test. Sorry, to not do not doing to to be doing only around six thousand tests a day, which is what we're doing at the moment. When you compare ourselves to other countries, well, how many tests? How many tests do you think we could be doing if we had well, the, the manpower? Uh, I mean, Germany, South Korea are testing thousands and thousands more a day, and they've got well. How many South are they Korea, testing? I've not got the exact figures off of me, but I mean, just I mean, everybody checks this out. Um, will say that they've tested thousands and thousands and thousands more than us, and they've managed to get it under control. Have so they? We really need to drive. Yeah, but you see, that's the other problem, isn't it? We don't really know whether locking anything down and testing. Is, is, is working. We're hearing in Spain now that they've got more cases than China. Um, the Germans still haven't reached the end of, of their road on this. So we, we haven't really got anywhere to look to say, oh, that's definitely the way we should be doing it. Well, that is the, well, that is the big unknown in all this because it is a new virus. It, this is why this is so concerning and worrying because it is a new virus that we are dealing with, which is why everybody is at risk from it. But it's also why we don't know how it will de- develop in the coming months. So China, for example, is going to, is going to slowly allow its people to go in Wuhan to go back to work and so on. We don't know if that means they've defeated it or if it'll spring up again. So there's lots of big questions in this, and it's why we are ra- we raise concerns, but it's why we're also try- we're being constructive in the suggestions that we're making to government ministers. Okay. When are you going to get a new party leader? By the way, is that still on course for like first week of, J- of April? Yes, it is. I mean, it's gone forever, hasn't it? But it does yeah, seem to have done. It's gone on forever, but yeah, it's the first week of April. April the 4th, I think. OK. And who's it going to be? Well, I mean, there's three candidates. I mean, no, Well, I know there's is, three candidates. The, 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 <laughs> Who have you voted book, for? I, well, I voted for Lisa and Andy, but the bookies are predicting Keir Starmer. Right. I mean, the bookies are usually right on these things, aren't they? But Well, we'll see. 
We shall see. Would you like to see uh, Keir Starmer in charge? I'd be, yeah, I'd be happy with Keir, yeah. I think he'd be all right, yeah. yeah. All right. I'd be happy with all three, but, I mean, if the book is all right and it's Keir, that's, you know, it's fine by me. Happy days. Jonathan, thank you very much indeed. <laughs> Jonathan Ashworth there, the Shadow Health Secretary, um, who's got lots of criticism of the government but doesn't really appear to have any answers, which is always the way, isn't it, sometimes with the opposition? They're all very happy to be critical, uh, but they don't actually know what they would do to make it any different. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. We are the place to get as much information as we can possibly give you uh, and as much up-to-date news on the whole coronavirus situation. Uh, basically, we want to help you uh, to get through it. We obviously want to get through it as well. What I said at the top of the show was it feels as though the attitudes now uh, are better in the country. We're no longer sitting around whining and moaning about what's going on. Uh, we are actually getting up and doing something about it and I think that is the best way to be. It is the only way to be and it's the only way to beat this crisis and I'm so encouraged by the fact that half a million people in this country decided that they wanted to actually volunteer and help people through the NHS either as volunteer uh, drivers, as volunteer delivery people, uh, even as volunteer carers in some cases. Let's talk to Margaret, who's in Reading, who I mentioned earlier on, to Anthony Brown, uh, who's wondering how she can get help. Margaret, a very good morning to you. Hello, Mike. Excuse me. Um, yeah, well, I'm over 80 right. and I live alone. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I've had texts and been told that I shouldn't go out of the house, but <clears throat> there's all these multitudes of people offering to help, yes. but I don't know how to get a hold of any of them. Right. Well, I spoke to Anthony Brown just now, a Tory MP, and I mentioned you to him, and he said uh, the best thing to do, if you can do so, is to get in touch with your local pharmacy. Do you, do you have a phone number for them? Yeah, but they hardly ever answer because they're so, so, so busy. Right. OK. Well, um, do you know what we can maybe do is we can ask somebody um, to get in touch with us who might be able to help you. You're, you're in Reading, yeah? Yeah. OK. Any particular part of Reading that we can mention without giving out your address? Yeah. RG1. No, no, don't give, don't, don't give me your address. I just want you to give me roughly where it is. Like, you know, oh, it, what it's section. Near, it's, it's very, very near... Cavisham Bridge. OK, all right. Well, what we'll do is we'll try and get somebody who's in the area maybe to pop round and we'll put you in touch with them once we, oh. once we get you off the air. We'll give them your phone number, OK? Um, oh, thank you. And we'll see what oh, we can do. really great. OK, what is it you need, Margaret? Do you need food? Yeah, it's shopping. Okay. Yeah, it's only shopping, really. OK, so you just need somebody to do some shopping for you. Well, we'll try yeah. and sort that out for you, Margaret. Thank you for calling. Just uh, uh, talk to my producer, Marta, when you finish, and uh, she'll take your details, OK? Oh, all right, then. Brilliant. Thank Thanks. you so much, Mike. Thanks, Margaret. Appreciate it. Let's talk to Bill, who's in Plymouth. Hello, Bill. Hi, good morning, Mike. How are you? Yeah, very well, sir. What can I do for you? Thanks, as always. The scumbags of society, they're at it again yeah. with people trying to get these loans in the interest. Bearing in mind, the interest rate's been dropped to 0.1%. Yes. I know our boss has been asked to put his house on the line and everything else. He's already six figures in the old. Yeah. No fault of his own. Yes. And the banks are absolutely abominable. They brought this country to its knees in 2008. Yeah. It's about time we took these people on and sorted them out. It's infuriating, and, and to be profiteering, profiteering, it's even racketeering at a time of national crisis is abominable. Yes. 
Absolutely, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, I believe, and I think I speak for everyone here, that the government will step in and they will make sure that this kind of thing doesn't go on because the banks have been allowed to do this and I don't think it's right. And I think the ba and I think I honestly believe that the government right now is looking at all sorts of things. They're terribly busy. They're working sort of 24-7 to get this all done. Um, and I think I, I've got faith in them that they will sort it out. I understand that, Mike, but what sort of people think like this in this crisis? Yeah, I know. It's shocking, isn't it? What is wrong with these people? Honestly, we should cause a run on these banks, take our cash out, point out to them who finances them, who keeps them in their jobs, yeah. because they need to respect the public and businesses in this country. Yes. It's outrageous. You're, listen, Bill, I couldn't agree with you more. You're absolutely right, and I will make sure that I will hold them to account. And, in fact, uh, we'll maybe get some bankers on tomorrow from some banking association or something. We'll start giving them a hard time to start pressurising them because it's seriously, seriously not good enough for them to take, to take the mickey out of ordinary people who are struggling, making them put up as collateral their homes for business loans, which they previously didn't have to do. It's absolutely disgraceful. 0344 499 1000. Uh, here's one from Dex, who says, seriously, I work for a large supermarket chain in a huge distribution centre. Obviously, uh, we have been rushed off our feet. Let me tell you, everyone is working very close and very few precautions are being made at all. But no one cares as long as they get their food. Well, that's also wrong. Uh, and you should be saying to your management teams, this is not acceptable. We need to set it up in a different way so that it's done properly. Uh, David says, it's still manic near me. Queues outside snaking all around the car park and onto the road outside. No idea what they had in the store as I didn't fancy standing queuing outside for hours. I'm not sure where you are. He's in North Yorkshire, David. Um, Steve says, my wife has just got back from shopping at Aldi. Busy, but people being careful and respectful. Plenty of food on the shelves. Toilet rolls too. Maybe the panic is over as people realise there is plenty of food in the system. And he's in a place called Honeybourne. Well, listen, there is no question that there is a lot fewer people on the streets. There is no question there's a lot more stuff in the shops. And so there is absolutely no reason, as I keep saying to people, for anyone to go out panic buying. It is a ludicrous thing to do. It is the wrong kind of behaviour. It is not helpful. And also, uh, you should be making very, very carefully uh, your plans to stand in any kind of queue. I mean, I've been in a couple of queues over the last two or three days, and you stand well back. You stand at least a metre, if not two metres, away from the person in front of you. And if anyone stands behind you, you tell them to move back. It's quite straightforward. It's not difficult to do. But this is what we all have to do now. And I'm happy to report that most people have now got that. And really, it's only the idiots, and there's so few of them now, who have not got it. But please do keep your calls coming in, 0344-499-1000. If any of you live in Reading and you might be able to help Margaret out, that would be brilliant. Uh, she just needs somebody to go and do some food shopping for her, really. Now, clearly, we have to be careful that we don't send somebody to her front door uh, who is a ne'er-do-well. Uh, we would not, not like that to happen. But if you're a local taxi driver in Reading, if you're somebody who can help her, uh, please do call us and we'll try and set you guys up. Now time for our homeschooling section. We started it two days ago and so far we've had a great response to it. And if you have any suggestions for subjects that you'd like us to cover that your children can learn about through us, then we'd be more than happy. You can post it on Facebook, you can post it on Twitter, uh, you can send us a, a tweet to uh, Talk Radio or to me uh, at IROMG. We've already had Carol Vorderman yesterday talking about maths and surds and all very complicated equations. We've also had a fascinating conversation with uh, a biologist about the way that trees photosynthesise. Today, I'm delighted to say, we're joined by Greg Smy-Rumsby uh, from the uh, astronomynow.com website. He's a space expert and he's going to talk to us about leap years. Greg, a very good uh, afternoon to you. 
Yes, good afternoon to you too. Now, I'm very, very happy that you could join us because I've always said that you're one of the most enthusiastic and fascinating <laughs> characters that we speak to on a regular basis here about anything to do with space. And while I know this is not necessarily about space, it is kind of about the way that we live, isn't it, in terms of the way that we are guided by the sun, I suppose. Yes, indeed. Uh, just to let you know, um, my wife and I, we actually home-educated our children anyway. Oh, did so you? I can... Yeah, we did. Okay. We did. And uh, Imogen is doing extraordinarily well, and, and so is Seb. Uh, very, very pleased with their, their outcome, as it were. Oh, they're, they're now adults, of course, and they, they, they have their own opinions, uh, as they make clear from time to time. But anyway, <laughs> well, they certainly, uh, I mean, they, they certainly all do that. As far, I mean, my, my four, uh, two of whom are still at school, uh, are very much opinionated, a bit like me. <laughs> I think it's, 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 it's how we were when we were younger. We were all very opinionated, and I, I probably remain so. But yes. anyway, uh, the, the Earth, the Earth uh, moves around the Sun in, in a nice elliptical orbit, not a circular orbit, an elliptical orbit, right. which is uh, interesting to say the least. And we move on average at around about 107,000 kilometres every hour. Right. Sounds a frightening speed. It is. It's about twice as fast as the fastest rocket that we can muster with modern-day technology. Mm. Unbelievable. That's a staggering speed. Yeah, it really but is. It's hard, it's hard to imagine, as I look out onto the sort of the buildings <laughs> of London, that we're travelling at that kind of speed. I know. It is amazing. You almost feel like you want to hold on to something. Yeah. But also because we're spinning as well. And uh, that, that's also a, almost at a reckless speed of around about 1,000 kilometres per hour at these latitudes, yeah. uh, relative to a fixed point in space. So there's a, you have to sort of have fixed points. Of course, there's nothing really fixed in space. Everything is, everything is very, very plastic and mobile. Mm. Uh, but if we assume that the sun is our reference point and we're, we're in an, an elliptical orbit around the sun, um, it takes us 365.24 and a little bit days. Right. To orbit the sun and every single year is exactly the same length mm. perfectly there's no difference and i think children when they come to uh, the royal observatory or, or go through an educational program are always under the impression that somehow years are flexible they're not they're perfectly laid out we understand years perfectly we've done so for many hundreds of years yes in fact we have to go back to pope gregory to to understand how our modern day calendar is fixed up yes because so, i was going to say i mean the gregorian calendar apparently sort of followed on from the first roman calendar which was the julian calendar how was that, that different is, well only that the julian calendar paces out every single day and it's measured in thousands and thousands whereas uh -huh. we have years and we subdivide it into months and then days right. and hours and minutes and seconds. So, so our modern-day calendar is very similar. It's the same pacing as a Julian calendar. It's just that we have calendars that we, we, we give months to mm. and, and named after the moon, of course. Months, moon, you get, you get the okay, idea. Right. But, but that, that, that tiny fraction means that we can't print calendars. We can't, we can't print a calendar with 365 and almost a quarter of a day. It's, it's just not possible. Right. So, so what we do is we forget the quarter. We just leave it to one side and we add up those quarters. That's what we're doing. So every four years, we have almost a complete day. Right. And it's good. And it's good for about 400 years. That process is pretty good. And every, every time we have a, a, a celebration, every four years, we have this extra day added to the end of February because March the 1st used to be New Year's Day. I see. It's not the reason that February has the least number of days in it. It's simply because March 1st was New Year's Day. Beware the Ides of March. Yes, That's because I, I once had a conversation with somebody asking the question mm. why we couldn't take 
the, the, the extra day on February the 29th and move it to, say, June the 31st, thereby giving us... I know this is a bit of a phantom question, but thereby giving us an extra day in the summer rather than in the winter. Well, yeah, there, there have been a number of ideas to modify the calendar. Uh, I mean, for example, having uh, uh, 13 months of 28 days, if you do the maths, you realise that's not bad. It mm. means we have one extra floating day. And on leap years, we'd have an extra, extra day. And where would you put that? It's arbitrary. Yeah. And this month, this extra month was going to be called Sol, and it was going to be jammed between July and August. But I will reiterate that there have been many variations of these storylines, and they keep rearing their heads every now and then, and then they slip to one side. I actually quite like the, the rather cumbersome calendar that we have. It's, it's quite nice. No, you I know, think so, yeah. So what would happen, for example, if we didn't have the extra day every four years? Well, then what would happen is the sun would get out of phase with our everyday lives. And it would be quite dramatic after only a little while. Really? We'd find that we were disappearing into winter when we should actually be in summer. Right. And it would get really quite chaotic. But there, there is a technical term for our calendar at the moment. It's called the tropical year. And what that does is it very slightly slips the calendar to keep it in phase with our understanding of winter and summer. Mm. It, it allows us to, to, to keep that periodicity going. And the other thing, of course, is we don't have leap years every single four years. It, it gets complicated, really? I know. No, every century date is not a leap year unless it can be divided by 400, then it is. So the year 2000, better known as 2000 to yeah. most civilian people, uh, that was a leap year. But if it be 1900, 1800 or 1700, they were not leap years, despite the fact you can divide them by four. Ah. So does that now, mean... the same is going to be true for 400 years into the future. In 2400 or 2400, that will be a leap year. But you can because divide the that. Is but, not perfect. But you can divide that by four, can't you? Twenty four hundred. But you can also divide it by four hundred. Oh, I see. Ah, ah right. That's where, so so it, it was Romulus who gave us the calendar. He was pretty good. Uh, yeah. Although some some ideas that he didn't actually exist also happens to be there as well. But it, effectively, the Roman calendar, which had ten months in it, each month having thirty days, worked okay. But they realised that they had to start their year again and again and again ah. on March the 1st, when ah. the sun uh, on March the 1st for them was the spring equinox. But, of course, it's drifted. It's drifted over time. Yes, and it's now... But now it doesn't it's... drift anymore. And what about um, the, the universality, if you like, of, of the, uh, the leap year process? Is, 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 it, is it in every country of the world? Because China pretty has... Pretty much, a, yes. Does yes, China not much. have a different uh, calendar to us? They, they, they do, but they're, they're international. They, they, they understand the international mess. Is that the word, internationalist? Of the, of the overall calendar, mm. and they do fit with that. But they do have their own calendar as well, and they celebrate that, that Chinese New Year, for example. Yes. There's also religious calendars which fall and slip around all over the place. Mm. I'll give you an example. The, 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 the Christians celebrate Easter, and when does Easter fall? Well, it's a, it's a calendric day. Well, it moves, doesn't Nothing, it? It, it's, it's to do with the sky, and it's the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the spring equinox. So you have to do a lot of afters there. Okay. So it's the first Sunday after the first full moon, after the spring equinox. And the spring equinox so is roughly, what, the 21st of March? 
Uh, uh, yeah, this year it was the, it was what uh, it was an early equinox. It's actually on the twentieth, and my wife and I we celebrate our our anniversary, our wedding anniversary on that day. That's nice. We got married on a on a on a celestial date. We Marvelous. had to, obviously. Yes, of course. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, as I said, there are so many things that uh, that we don't know um, about simple things like a leap year. And is there any sort of, I mean, this is probably less scientific as a question, is there any superstition attached to February the 29th? Because it's the one, one thing I know is that you're, as a woman, and I'm sure this is now a very sexist thing, as a woman you're allowed to propose marriage to a man on the 29th of February. Yes, yes. I, I'm, I'm sure it, it is sexist, but it isn't sexist, if you know what I mean. Such an old tradition, <laughs> yes. the idea that if the man is stalling, she can kneel down and say, will you marry me? And the answer has to be forthcoming either way, yes right. or no. It, okay. it, you know, so it puts pressure on the, 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 the rather indolent male who's hanging around a bit. And why would he be hanging around? Surely she's lovely enough to marry. You well, know, quite. Been together for a Just while. get on with yeah, it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. A glass of single malt always helps. <laughs> yes, absolutely right. And, and so when will the next leap year that should occur not occur? If you know uh, the answer, twenty-four hundred. So twenty-four hundred. No, no, it's the other way around. It, it's it's when it will occur when it shouldn't. Ah, okay. Uh, right. So 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 leap years. Uh, it it shouldn't have happened on twenty hundred. It shouldn't happen on twenty-four hundred. Yes. Two thousand four hundred. But it will because we do need to make up those extra little tiny decimal point bits of the of the of the Earth's rather strange orbit. There are other. Uh, bits about our orbit, for our, for example, our days are not exactly the same length, uh, nor is, nor are the months. So our seasons are not the same length either. They're, they vary between about 89 days and 93 days. Right. And the reason for that is because as we get closer to the sun, because our orbit's not perfectly round, we get closer in winter than we do in the summer, which seems completely at odds with reality. We think we must be closer to the sun in, in summer, but we're not. We're actually furthest from the sun around about July the 4th. Huh. And the opposite is true for winter. So January the 4th, around about that date, we're actually closest to the sun. And therefore, we speed up a little bit. As we get towards the sun's gravity, we, we are hurled through space slightly faster. So that season is short, which means in the Northern Hemisphere, we have a slightly shorter season of winter, and it's not so cold, right. which is great. Which so is we, great. We have, it's a double whammy. It is. It's fantastic. Well, listen, Greg, I can, I can barely thank you enough. That was fascinating. Thank you very much, as ever. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio.